welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are myself, Garrett Wong, and my illustrious co-host, Mr. Robbie Duncan McNeil. Hey, Robbie. That's the, uh, that's the, that's the audience. It's the screaming throngs of fans with it and, and, and admirers and, and, and people with asthma. Oh no. no We're going to get emails because of that. I know that. I have asthma. <laughs> okay. All right. I was if hospitalized. You have asthma, you can By the then... way, during Voyager, I was yes. hospitalized at least twice yes. for asthma. I remember Mary Howard coming and, uh, and um, checking on me in the hospital because of my asthma. And, and trying to you never told me that, Robbie. You never yeah. told me that. I never yeah. saw you with an inhaler or anything like that. For those of you who have asthma out there, because Robbie has asthma, yeah, it's okay for him to make a joke of it. I think, yeah, yeah. It's just like I, mean, I, I think. I, I don't think know. So. I hopefully you don't. Get I mean, I think there's a there's a times there's times when asthma can be funny, and there's times when asthma is not funny. Okay, yeah. just like most <laughs> things in the world. <laughs> It's about context. It's about time and place. Right? <laughs> oh okay. my gosh. Okay. I need yeah. to trim my beard, dude. You need. <laughs> oh my Lord. Although we have seen um, uh, Kate Mulgrew's um, romantic partner, Bennett, we have seen recently on that GalaxyCon thing last uh, recently, yeah. Garrett. And he had a beard down to like. He had like a Moses beard. My beard. Well, <laughs> I thought, it, what was that show of that guy that was in the wilderness uh, play? And he had a bear as his sidekick. Oh, his companion. yeah. It was uh, Dan. The actor was Dan something. He had this grizzly huge, Adams. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's what grizzly I Adams. look at. When I look at Bennett and Kate's significant other, I look at it as a grizzly Adams beard. But grizzly. you say Moses beard, which is actually longer yes. than a grizzly Adams. And yes. the longest is a ZZ Top. So he's not ZZ Top yet. He's not a ZZ Top. But, but what he's am, what am definitely I? Moses. What that's, uh, you You know, that's respectable beard. That's respectable beard. It's just a, that's a, yeah. This is know. a working man's beard. This yeah. is like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm so, I'm working so hard. I don't have time to really groom myself. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's subtle because you have gray mixed in with your dirty blonde, blonde and so reddish, now yeah, yeah. and reddish, so it's not as prominent as if you were, let's say, Italian or Greek, with a heavy dark beard. Yeah, right. All right, all right. Speaking of Italian people, um, yes. Have we ever seen Bobacardo with a beard? Have you ever seen him with a beard? I feel like I've seen photos of him on other shows or, you know, he's yeah. got so many looks over the, over his career. Yeah. Especially with the, because he went bald, you know, lost his hair so young, he started yeah. wearing hair pieces and wigs very young. So he's had a, so many looks. I feel like. I, I'm just, I mean, in terms of not off camera, but on camera roles, all the roles that he's done, I've never remembered him with a mustache or a beard. Or a beard. He I may have like had a mustache. In Loverboy, that was with Patrick Dempsey, sort of playing a pizza delivery boy that ends up uh -huh. being a gigolo. And um, Bob Picardo plays a surgeon in there, I think, a doctor. Really? And his wife is cheating on him with Patrick Dempsey's character. Uh, and I think he might have a mustache there, but I don't think I remember him with a beard, like a full beard, a mountain man beard. 
I'm I'm looking to see. I don't think. Okay, hold on. Oh, you got it. Hmm. Look at that. You're so fast with your Google. You're such a fast Googler. Wait, is that? Hey, well, that's clearly a. Fake that's a mustache, mustache right? Yeah, it's a mustache. He looks good in a mustache. I yeah. like that look. Actually. Yeah. There's what Bob. The, what's the something. project? Can you just? What's the caption read? It there? says. Um, I, I don't recall that role. Is that a Nickelodeon show? Maybe. I, I don't know. Oh my God! The internet familiar. is forever. I don't know. Oh. By the way, gosh, for those of you listening out there, not viewing. Robbie showed me an image of Bob Ricardo in sort of a 50s um, um, soda shop sort of co costume. And on top of his head was a, was a fake uh, uh, ice cream. And then Robbie just showed me Bob Ricardo shirtless. Is he completely naked in that with a cowboy hat on? What's he, what's uh, he got going on there? I don't know. This is a little gif that says, don't knock, just come. And he <laughs> looks like, uh, can't top the cowboy from inner space. Oh yes, so he's the. That's from Inner Space. I do yep. recall that that wardrobe. Oh, yeah. So the uh, internet is forever. <laughs> so for all of you who are just curious about what the visual is, if you simply sign up to be a patron on Patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers, you can view this. You can we have see our all video. the fun times. You can see <laughs> the all of the uh, visual aids yes. that we have. Okay. Yes. It's it's a more complete picture of the Delta Flyers. But but of course, we will always describe what is being shown on screen between Robbie and I for all of you who are listening, just so you know. Um, yeah, that's an interesting uh, photo of him, but you yeah. didn't find out why he's wearing that soda kind of uh, I ice did cream not. guy. I did not. We'll have to get him on the podcast and- all right. We'll ask him. Ask him, yes. We can ask him how his butt's doing as well. Hopefully he's healed. Yes. Sometimes we call our castmates, you know, in the middle of a podcast and catch them like Bob on the bicycle and we cause them to crash and scrape their butt as we did with Bob. So, uh, um, yeah. But he's, a, he's, a, he's game for it. He said call him anytime. So we will be calling him. I love how you I love how you throw you put me under the bus with you on that one. We cause him to crash. It's like, mm -hmm, yes, yeah. <laughs> I'll join you on that, I guess. <laughs> we, we, the royal we. What are we talking about but, this week? Are we yeah. in season three? Yes, yes, we're actually in season three now, and oh we're doing a uh, basics part two. So the two parter of the cliffhanger episode, um, basics part one is what we, we finished our season two review. Um, and now we are starting our season three review. Yep. It's crazy. We are now, gosh, what is it now? Uh, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January. We're about eight, nine months into this, uh, podcast now. Yeah. Something like that. We're yeah. chugging along and we're now at season three. And of course, mm, one thing that you're going to be so happy about is Today is the day that I take on the limerick. Oh my gosh, I forgot we're switching. I'm so oh, not. This is, this is exciting. You're exciting and you're happy. And yes. I'm like dreading this. I'm sitting here going. G -g 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 I'm, yeah, I'm it's nervous. stressful. It's, it's very awesome. stressful. I had, I think I had a nightmare about this. You got this. You got this. <laughs> you got this. Okay. All right, man. Basics part two, season three premiere. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Patreon patrons, stay tuned for your bonus material. Everyone else, um, stay tuned as Robbie and I go watch Basics Part 2. And I stress about 
making a limerick. <laughs> See you soon. Robbie and I are back from watching Basics Part Two. Yes, There's a lot of action are. in this one. There was a lot of action. And you guys were on the planet a lot. I yeah. was still even more jealous so that I didn't get to go. Although I was kind of jealous. I think, uh, so I, I did notice on watching this that how rough the terrain was for you guys. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of that story you told about Sue. I think it was Sue falling down the hill. Yeah. Rolling as, as you guys were running or something. Yeah. It looked kind of rough. It definitely did. The terrain, the rocks, the and there was a lot of areas where you were filming where it was pretty steep, sometimes steeper even than it photographed. Like if you really looked at it carefully, you, you kind of go, oh, wow, that's steeper than you first think. Yeah. And plus, you know, that's that's outdoors. That's not a, that's not on a soundstage. That's definitely yeah. us on location. And, you know, and when the, the terrain is like that. The, yeah. And the cold and yeah, I'm sure. Right. But there's not just rock, there's loose rock and loose pebbles and loose dirt so that when you're running down the hill, you take one wrong step and you're going to lose your footing. And that's what happened to Sue, Kate Standin, and she tumbled down and, you know, she had to go to the hospital. So yeah. that was yeah. not good. Um, I just want to start by saying a couple of things. First of all, in a prior episode of Delta Flyers, we started to have an issue of memory where we weren't sure if the stage that we used that was far away was stage 16 or 17. I did the research. It was definitely 16. 17 was Deep Space Nine. That was directly across from eight and nine. So 17 oh, that's was right. their soundstage. So, so um, 16 was uh, our, our rocks and caves and all. Yes. And yes. then, yeah. And I said to you when we couldn't remember, I get confused because when I did Chuck as a director and a producer for five years, we had stage 17 at yes. Warner Brothers. So yes. I, I couldn't remember. I'd get 17 and 16 mixed up a lot and totally different shows and different lots, different yes. studios. It's 16. All right. That's one piece of business. The other order of business, when we reviewed Basics Part 1, I talked about how Chicote and myself and Tim Russ got memos from production. You said that everyone got the memo, basically warning us about, you know, be careful when you're town. in town. It's a rough yeah. town. Yeah. Just, yes. Go to go stick together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't recall everyone getting that. I thought it was just the minority sort of saying, watch out. You might be, you know, you might face some trouble from the majority Caucasian population of this town. Yeah. Um, so, and I promised a story for part two. And that story is the actors were sequestered at a hotel at the edge of town. It wasn't in the main part of town. Right, right. The main part of town did have a motel there, but that's where all the crew and all the background actors mm -hmm. were over there. So mm -hmm. Sue and, and, and Tarek, who played Ayala, he was there, you know, all everyone. They were all in town, in, in the town. main street. Correct. Right. And so to get to the hotel where the principals were, we had to take a shuttle. Right. There's a shuttle that would run out to that, to the very outskirts of town. And I remember the production, uh, I think Mary Howard or, or Brad Jacobian saying, now listen, guys, you guys can eat in town and everything like that, but just know whatever business you do, there is one, the shuttle ends at a certain time. And right. so we're talking about the final shuttle that goes back to the edge of town. 
I think it left at like 11.30 p.m. or 11.45, so just before midnight. And so we were warned. <laughs> they said, if you don't catch that shuttle, you're going to have to walk. And remember, this is before Uber and all these, you know, yeah. uh, you know, ways to get back. Uh, that didn't exist back then. So we were warned. And I remember the last three series regulars that were still in town were Tuvok. So it was Tim Russ, myself, and Jennifer Lean. And uh, Tim had decided to play poker with some of the background um, actors. So he was at their motel playing poker. And evidently the stakes were five cent poker. So this was nickel, nickel poker, right? Right. <laughs> and uh, Tim spent an evening with the extras. Um, Jenny Lean and I, I don't know, we were just hanging out. So I remember going over to, we walked over to the motel and said to Tim, it's time to go. We have to go catch this shuttle. And he's like, fine. So we go back and we're sitting at the shuttle stop and we're waiting for this shuttle with plenty of time. It's, we, we definitely are there before the final shuttle comes. Right. And then Tim, all of a sudden, he goes, I said, how'd you do? How'd you do at the poker game? He goes like, oh, yeah, I won. I won. I won big. And I'm like, you won big. I go, what stakes were you guys playing? He's like, we're playing nickels. I'm like, nickels? So he pulls out of his pocket like this huge handful like of nickels. nickels. He's got literally, I think he's got 50 bucks in nickels okay, oh in his God. hand. And he looks at us and he's like, I don't want to carry this around. I don't want to carry this around. And he looks behind us and he sees like a whatever late night fast food restaurant is open. He goes, I'm going to go change my money there. I go, Tim, please don't do this. Please don't do this. It's not like you're changing five nickels into a right. quarter. You're changing $50 worth of nickels. He's like a thousand gonna, nickels. He's a thousand nickels. Yeah. I said, they're going to have to count those nickels, dude. I, I guarantee you there's no change counting machine there. You're going to, you're, you're going to, to what you're going to miss the shuttle. And right. he said, he goes, no, 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 no. I'm not going to miss the shuttle. No, Bubba, I'm going to make it. And so he goes over there and we're watching and sure enough, the shuttle, we see the shuttle coming up, drives up slowly. And I'm looking back at the, the I, I can see Tim staying there. And there, I can see they're going one, two, they're counting through the nickels. And now I'm waving my hands. I'm like, Tim, I'm screaming. I'm like, Tim, hurry, Tim. And he's, he's completely oblivious, okay? So he's just, he's on top of the moon because he won, all right? And right. he's just like, I'm so, yeah, I'm so great. Yay, I'm a poker god. And um, so then guess what happens? Because we are friends of his, we actually tried to ask the shuttle driver to wait, but he wouldn't, so he left. So we said, fine, we're just going to have to take this walk to the outskirts of town. Oh, God. Yeah, so Tim gets out there, and I'm so pissed, and, and he's like, what, what? I said, you missed the shuttle, and you made us miss the shuttle because we were trying to get your attention, and because we're your friends, we waited for you, and now we have no way back except for our feet. We have to walk back, dude. He's like, well, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I lost track of time. I said, I told you not to go change the money. You know, I was so <laughs> mad at him. Yeah, those damn nickels. nickels. Yeah. <laughs> and Tim and I, just so everyone knows, we've always had this crazy older brother, younger brother kind of relationship where we bicker at each other. And I was definitely bickering at him. So we start walking. And as we're walking along, the lights of the town get dimmer and dimmer. And now we're just, it's basically pitch black on like a country road and we're walking and I'm going, this sucks. And then all of a sudden in the distance coming towards town, we see headlights. And I said, okay, this is interesting. 
And as the headlights get closer, we notice there are headlights belonging to a pickup truck, like an old, you know, Ford Bronco or something like just right. an old pickup truck. Right. Um, and this truck drives up, slows down and stops and hits his high beams on us. Like he's looking at us and I'm going, oh my God. Oh my God. You're panicking. Oh, I can I'm panicking because I'm only thinking about that memo saying, be careful, you know, you guys. Mm -hmm. And guess what? What does this guy see? sees an Asian guy, a black dude, and a little blonde white girl. It's like, and so that he's looking at the three of us thinking, you know, what the heck is this? What's going on here? And I'm thinking, we're going to, yeah, we're going to die. I'm thinking right. this is, this is literally the hills have eyes, or this is, this is, I was really feeling like this was the territory between the Hatfield and the McCoys. Like this was like hillbilly, you know, territory. Right. Uh, and, and we were in trouble. You know, I said, we're going to, we're going to die. And I just remember feeling this, in, this and feeling like, of Tim. Yeah. And I, I remember. Yeah, this is all my, about the nickels, but underneath my breath, I I'm staring at the pickup and also underneath my breath, I'm, I'm muttering after they kill me, I will kill you is what I said. And I'll I take so all your nickels. <laughs> All because you had to get All right, who was it? changed up. Who was in the well, pickup truck? Okay, so we're just standing there. The pickup truck is staring at us. And I'm just frozen in fear. And we're all three of us just standing there frozen like, uh. And then they slowly start up again. Yeah. And the windows are tinted out. And they just kind of like, they go really slowly past us. And then they speed off. And I look in the back and I see there's like a gun rack. And I'm going, Jesus, we really could have been killed, you know? Jesus. And I look at Tim and I go, I go, thanks, man. Thank you for my, I almost had a heart attack just now. You know, is there, any, what else could go wrong? And then right when I said that, it started raining. <laughs> cats no, and no. Like cats and dogs is just coming down like this torrential downpour. And just, it's almost like God had the, uh, this crazy sense of humor. The minute I said, what else could go wrong now? And then God goes, Take that. And so I look at Tim, I'm like, I, thanks, man. <laughs> I'm right. now soaking wet. Now we're, now we're soaking wet. And we still have like half a mile to walk to get back to the, the hotel on the outskirts of town. Wow. So, so yeah, so Tim and I almost were killed, basically. Wow. And Jennifer would have been abducted. Wow. That's my guess, yeah. Wow. There you go. So maybe it was good I didn't uh, go. <laughs> I just stayed back at Paramount Studios and basically saved all of you. <laughs> Because that's Maybe. really what I my takeaway from this episode is Paris. Everybody owes Paris their lives. That's my takeaway. Is that what you're getting from? No, I that's, think if you that's were the there. theme for me, the theme is everybody <laughs> should thank Paris because he saved them all. That's my takeaway. Is that your life lesson? From Let's this make a yeah, like oh. a yeah, like a monument to Paris because he saved everybody. <laughs> And no, if you were there with us and walking back with us, they yes. would, it would have been more normal. It would have been two Caucasians and two minorities. So it would have That's balanced true. out a little bit better. And I think we would have had less of a, you know, less scrutiny from this, this pickup truck from hell, you know, mm. that was about to kill us. I think they would have thought, oh, okay. All right. And then drove on. Wow. I would like to think that they were actually, they had been channel surfing the night before and said, wait a minute. No, we can't kill them. That's Tuvok, Kim, and Kess. And then they drove away. You see? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the episode, the story of the episode. There was the primitive cavemen. Yes. That you eventually sort of befriend yeah. in the story. And that's yeah. kind of like the citizens of Lone Pine, California. You sort that's, of you're right. In the beginning, right. it was kind of dangerous yes. and you know. Yes. There was sort of a yeah. 
scary. And I just want to, all. yes. And Robbie, just in case there's anybody listening yes. from Lone Pine or used to live at Lone Pine, I apologize. That memo is what scared the crap out of me. I think I've, if I never received that memo from production, I probably wouldn't, you wouldn't have, have had those stories it. in your head. No, I wouldn't. I, I have so, a good friend that lives up at Lone Pine, actually. So. Okay, well, there you go. So, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm an actor, I'm a creative person, but my imagination can run wild. And my yes. imagination was truly picturing Tim and I being murdered by the locals. Yes, and gotcha. That's what I felt. Okay, gotcha. so on that note, on that note, let us do- Let's talk about- our Yes, the episode. episode. Yes. Let us have your, let me have your haiku synopsis. Oh yes, my very first haiku. I mean, I did do a haiku before, but- uh... mm. But back when we were kind of freestyling, now now that we've gotten formal. Okay, my haiku for Basics Part 2, Season yeah. 3 premiere. Kazon have the ship. Primitive life for the crew. Paris saves them all. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I just had to make sure yes. Paris gets credit for saving everybody. Yeah. That's really Good all. Of, my focus of the haiku was Paris getting the credit so yeah i love it i love it yeah. did you feel you know happy that it was you got to do a, a much simpler version? not having to rhyme like anything? a weight oh yeah, so weight lifted off your weight. shoulders such a okay. weight lifted yeah. okay now i was debating because yes. You know, probably could have used Rebecca's help. I could, I, I actually thought about messaging Rebecca, but I said, you know what? No, I'm going to stand on my own two feet. I can do this. Okay. You even told me, you said, I know you can do this. Right. Yes. And then I thought I can get really, really, you know, put a lot of production value and maybe do this in an Irish accent. Since oh, wow. Bricks come from there. But then I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. No. I'm not going to go to the Lucky Charms accent. I'm not going to do any type of, you know, Northern Ireland accent or anything. Right. I'm, um, even though I enjoy Irish accents, I think they're great. Yes. Um, but my limerick yeah. is almost, it has a little haikuness to it. Interesting. It's, okay. Yeah, because I feel like I'm so used to doing haiku that it bled into my very first so limerick. It's got a little sort of uh, yeah, abstract quality. Yes, it's definitely okay. more abstract. So here we go. <clears throat> okay. My limerick, my very first limerick synopsis for the Delta Flyers for the episode Basics, part two. Stranded on planet, left for dead. No shelter, no water, no bread. The doctor helps out while Souter reroutes. Paris sets course full speed ahead. Oh, nice. Nice. Like that? No bread. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, it's, good. it's it's fun. It's exciting, right? It was exciting and yeah. also abstract too. It was know? a little I, I abstract. Said you set a course for home. I was like, parrot sets sets course full speed ahead. Yeah, ahead rhymed with the bread and the dead. That's that's what poetry is all about. Is, it is, is getting man. a little abstract now and then. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. All Very right. good. There's our haiku. There's our limerick. Um, let's talk about it. Sure. Uh, still written by Pillar, obviously. Still yep. directed by Colby. Um, so the same writer and director from part one as part two. I just want to start by saying the very first <laughs> line that you hear from Chakotay, the very beginning of the episode, when he's helping out uh, Wildman. You know, Wildman's struggling holding her baby, and he's like, don't push yourself. And then he says, that goes for everyone. Perspiring wastes water. And I've never thought of that ever in my life. Stop I'm like, wasting water. By perspiring, which is like crazy. Yeah. Like, have you ever been given that advice on any 
you know, activity that you've done in school or anything, don't, don't sweat. You're going to waste water, which is. I don't know how you control sweating. Yeah. That's a tough one to control. I mean, I think you can control the energy output that you have. Yeah. If sweating is a result of a certain amount of energy output, then I guess you could lower your energy output to preserve moisture or preserve water. But you may, in a hot environment, just be sitting there and sweating. True. You're not putting out any energy. It's just the body's natural function of cooling itself is wasting the water. So I don't know. I, that's a tricky one, Chicote. I, I mean, he's a smart guy, a Moya and all. Um, people of my Would, people. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this story at the fans right now. Yeah, I, I may have already talked about this, but I'm gonna say it again because you just said I don't know how you control sweating, and I'm gonna have to disagree with you because of that one fateful day that we were filming on the bridge, and it was your close up. And you indeed were sweating, but you were only sweating on the side of your face away from camera. And I said to you, and I, I made mention of that while we were filming, I go, Robbie McNeil, you're such a professional. You don't sweat where the camera can see it, only on the side of your face away from camera. Did I have like a, like a, a tissue or something? Was I tapping? Maybe I was no. dabbing my... my uh... Possibly. Maybe I did that. I don't okay. know. Okay. I don't remember you dabbing anything. I just remember that that to me was really comical. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. Because like everything, and like literally, it was like, it wasn't like tons of sweat, but you can definitely see it was rolling down your cheek on the side away from where the camera was. And yeah. I yeah. Thought, what the heck? How did you do that? I mean, I sweat every, on both sides if I'm sweating, but that day, I was you were a professional a sweat master. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty okay. professional. All right. Yeah. So they're still on the planet. Yeah. Everybody's still on this primitive planet. I was mostly excited to see Neelix's team. I think in the, at the end of the last episode, Neelix said something like, Chakotay was like, team B, you're with me. Team A, alpha team, delta team. And then, yeah, or beta team or whatever. And then it comes to Neelix. Neelix is like, delta team, delta team, follow me. Yeah, this was after mine. I was Gamma Team. He was Delta Team. Delta Team, you're with me. (laughs) So I was very excited when I'm like, oh, everybody's there. How's Delta Team doing? How's the Neelix group doing? Not that well. Not that well. No, no, not that well. Uh, Hogan gets eaten. So Delta (laughs) Team, maybe we should not put Neelix in charge of any away teams. That's our takeaway. I know that later in the episode, he apologizes. He's saying, I feel it's my fault. And the whole time I'm like, yeah, it's totally your fault. You are responsible for killing Hogan. My God. Yes, exactly. Because if Neelix just helped him pick up, you remember that? Neelix is holding the bone. He's like, and he throws it back down on the ground. All you had to do was help him. If you helped him pick it up at that second and walk away, Hogan would still be alive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Poor Hogan. By the way, uh, so yeah, and then we find Paris is not dead. Paris has uh, gotten his shuttle back up and running. And he's on this kind of, he's running away from the Kazon who are chasing him. Yeah. And boy, if I if I knew it was as simple as just all stop, hit the brakes, let the Kazon fly by and then shoot him a couple times and boom. Like, why are we ever in a battle ever then? If that's the way you can do it. <laughs> 
Um, that was so reminiscent of, of the movie Top Gun, where Maverick like is being chased by the MiG and he puts all stop and the MiG flies past him. But of course, they're going at supersonic speeds, whereas in this, from our relation, when you, you slow down, it's almost like a turtle passing another turtle. It's like so slow when it's, he passes yeah. you. It's like, what is going on? I also on? started thinking about, okay, I have, a, I have a Tesla Model 3 is the car that I have. Correct. And it has um, auto collision um, features. Yeah. So if I am heading too fast towards something, it will warn me and it will start to break long before I even see it. Correct. And so I started thinking, all right, that's my Tesla Model 3. That's the entry level Tesla has that <laughs> right now. Yeah. And we're talking about starships. Right that are chasing me dead behind me shooting <laughs> as soon as i hit the all stop like my tesla yeah. you would think that that other ship would go would be locked in on some kind of computer control autopilot that wouldn't allow them just to fly fly over you <laughs> that they would have some but anyway you know i'm just saying i'm just gonna say it. that 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 fail safe in the Kazon uh, patrol ship yes. malfunctioning. Ah, I see. It didn't okay. work. Like he okay. should have stopped, but he didn't. Sure. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, what I wrote down in my notes, which was more interesting, I said Paris does his impersonation of the caretaker. Because in Caretaker, the old not man kept saying, yeah, not enough time. And then here you are, I don't have time for this. You said it three times. I don't have time for this. And after you killed, not, you know, after you eliminate the threat, you're like, I told you, I don't have time for this. So you say that over and over again. I said that like three times. I know. Yeah. I, I want to make a t-shirt that just has all of your sayings. So it'll say pepperoni, and then it'll say, I don't have time for this. And just all the Paris sayings. It's the Voyager. It's the Voyager, exactly. So yeah. And then we go into uh we go into sick bay and the doctor's giving the baby a checkup and he says, This is not Chakotay's son. Oh, I know. What the what? Heck? What? What? It's not Chakotay's son. Seska seems truly shocked and surprised. I have to say, I just don't believe that Seska didn't check the baby's DNA before yeah. this. Like, yeah. really? I, I, yeah, that was a little crazy. And even like, even, and that baby doesn't, okay, when you, we've seen the baby's face, right? Yes. And you see the little, yes. Cardassian little forehead yep. ridge thing, but you clearly do not see any Kazon any features. Any Kazon so. features? No. And by the way, that baby's bald. And I'm telling yep. you, Kazon have big hair. Yeah. Kazon's hair it, it is huge. So, but um, if she, this is just so bizarre because she did inject herself with his DNA. So, how, you know, so the question remains how did she get that wrong? How did she not? Um, I don't know. It was just, it's, it was perplexing, to yeah. say the least. Also, why didn't Seska ask the computer long before about the crew compliment like the doctor does yeah. at the end of that scene? He goes, <laughs> yeah. he's just got it easy. Like, nobody thought of this when you were taking over the ship. Hey, computer, any life signs? Where are the life? Like, it's yeah. a quick question. Yes. But they yeah. obviously didn't think about it. No. You know, they were too excited to commandeer the yeah. Voyager yeah. that they were like, yeah, yeah. Because they did make mention of the fact that there's two missing crewmen and they could have at that point said, computer, tell us who's on the ship right now. And they yeah. would have found that out. It would have been one beta Z, you know, we would have known it was Suter, but yep. that's another, uh, a hole in the script right there. Right? Yep. yep. Uh, unfortunately. 
Okay, Harry and Bellana find eggs. Big eggs. Did you make an omelet? Did you do hard-boiled poached? What like what does the captain like? I think she likes uh, medium. I like she Over likes the, the yolk a little bit runny. Yeah, mm. so you know you you have to really pay attention when you're preparing yeah. eggs and make it a medium. It's not yeah. easy. That know? was very interesting. The eggs. Yeah. But look, look who's together. It's Harry and Bellana again, right? There. Yeah. 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 Did you t- were you jealous a little bit? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I was busy saving the show, Garrett, while you were out making over easy or over mediums. So uh, many. I was saving the whole series. I was saving okay. Star Trek as a franchise. I was saving Voyager. I was saving yeah. the lives of all of our, our crew. Well, but, thank you. Know, you. Thanks for You're being welcome. a hero. You're, You're busy welcome. being a hero. Ayala, you get to see him cutting hair. I cut Janeway's hair. I don't remember filming that. I have no recollection of that. Of I, filming the cutting by hair. the way, I have seen that. They were using a lot of hair to start the <laughs> Like, If you're having so much trouble starting the fire that you're going to you know, use hair, which yeah. is the thing, you really got to be careful how much you use. Like, You're going to go burn through all your hair pretty quickly. Second of all, when Chakotay says, you know, ha, huh, well, Captain, you, you've got the only Indian here who doesn't know how to start a fire. Yeah. I, I gotta say, like, that that bothered me a little bit. And I know that I'm, look, I'm the, I'm the non-native guy. Yeah. I'm a white, middle-aged man. So I am not from a perspective to be able to tell anyone what's right or wrong about things. Mm-hmm. But I guess I just found it like, here the writers are reinforcing a stereotype. And it happened a couple times in this episode. It happened with the um, the bow and arrow. It happened with starting a fire. He says, you know, yeah, I'm the, I'm the only, you know, Indian that doesn't know how to start a fire. I didn't like it when I was a kid and I don't like it. You know, I can't do it. Couldn't do it when I was a kid. I couldn't do it now. I guess it would be like any stereotype saying, oh, I guess I'm the only black person who doesn't do blah, blah, blah. Just because mm-hmm. the black character says that doesn't mean reinforcing that stereotype is not a good yeah. thing. So that sort of bothered me, I guess, a little bit. I'm, I, I just have a radar for those kinds of stereotypes. They bother me, especially in Star Trek. I knew. Yeah. Yes. And I knew you were going to be bothered by that. I actually made note of that. I said, Robbie is going to be annoyed by the fire starting scene. And I knew that that was going to trigger just, you. It triggers but I'm going to disagree little... with you. You could, yeah. yeah I'm going to disagree with you a little bit about the other scene you mentioned about the bow and arrow because he, I think, that played against stereotype because when he grabs the bow and says, like, uh, you know, my people don't shoot bows and arrows. I've never done this before. And Tuvok goes, uh, no, that's for me. I taught archery yeah. at the Vulcan Institute of Self-Defense. So I felt like that was playing against stereotype. That that was I think sort of that in you- that situation, it actually w- was, yes, a much better treatment of the issue and using that device yeah. to kind of change perspective in a good way. I felt, yeah. But I did feel like the starting of the fire, eh. I don't know. Was yeah. was bumpier, was clunkier yeah. to me, and didn't Agreed. feel quite as quite as good. Agreed. I also think that uh, this leads me to a, a general thought I had that I'll throw out now. I found this episode sort of overloaded a bit with a tonnage of kind of toxic masculinity. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. The Kazon who take over our ship are a group of very stereotypically sort of primitive male, toxic, dominating male 
personality. Yeah. And then you had this caveman society who's trying to give away and trade women because they've got this caveman primitive male thing. And I just, I was thinking halfway through this episode that it would have been interesting on Star Trek and particularly the Star Trek that had a female captain to take some of those gender identity storylines and flip them. You know, what if on this caveman society, it had been a female dominated primitive group? Mm -hmm. um, that was developing and maybe they were, you know, exploitive or treated the men in those typical ways. And maybe the lesson learned was we don't do that anymore in gender ways. We don't dominate gender, you know, whether it's male over women or women over men. I don't know. I feel like there could have, there's an opportunity in our show to do something different than other shows and and when yeah. it comes to some of those stereotypes this one felt like it had a lot of that sort of primitive male yeah i'm a man and you're the woman and and uh, anyway it was a I lot see, of it i hear you yeah i hear you um all right moving on so they start fires um yeah i just i i found it interesting that i made a note here that just an interesting idea to see all of our crew stuck on this planet with zero technology that yeah. all of that technology is stripped away that they're starting fires this way and mm -hmm. you know and um bows and arrows and clubs and all of it all of it you know yeah using the the cloth from hogan's uniform after he was you know killed by the the lizard dragon or whatever uh using yeah. that to to drain to make a um what did he say? A water collection kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. trying to get rainwater or something. Uh, yeah, my memory of the show was not that that Hogan died that early. My memory of the show was that Hogan died inside the caves with everybody later, but yeah. that's not the case. He died at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, so in the storyline, obviously Neelix wanders away, gets captured, and so does Kess. And uh, the funny part of that is when Kess was saying, you shouldn't go too far away from camp, Neelix. And I'm thinking, neither should you. And then she gets captured <laughs> That's at that right. time, right? That's um, right. But um, so on the rescue party, that when Chakotay goes to rescue uh, Neelix and Cass, you notice who's in that rescue party, right? In who's the teal that? uniform. Who was it? Dennis Madalone wearing oh, a was it? wearing a wig. Yeah, he's got. Oh, a, that's funny. He's got a short Dennis Madalone, who we've interviewed before, our head of um, of stunts, our stunt coordinator. He is in this episode wearing a wig as a Starfleet crew member. Um, so he's holding the spear, and he's the one when they when they get trapped by the 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 Neanderthals in the out in the entrance of the cave. They go further into the cave. And as they walk along slowly to try to get past the, the serpent creature, it's Dennis who slips and falls and gets eaten. Oh, so that was can't. Dennis? That's Dennis. Yeah. I just heard from he, Dennis this morning. He loved, yeah, he listened to the interview that we did with him. Loved it. And he said he shared it with Tom Morga, who was one of our regular stuntmen on the show. Yeah, because we talk Tom. about Tom too. Right? And we talk about Tom. And Tom loved it as well. And Tom oh, wants to do... Uh, Tom wants to do the the podcast, so that yeah, we can bring up. Tom in for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Great yeah. idea. Yeah, I that can't rescue. Didn't recognize him. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. I didn't. That okay. rescue scene was great. Right before the rescue scene, though, we go into uh, the doctor and and uh, Suter. Yeah, Suter are talking. Yeah, <laughs> the doctor had a line that I I wrote down. He says, "Well." One hologram and one sociopath may not be much of a match for the Kazon, but it yeah. will have to do. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a brilliant line. Yeah. One hologram and one sociopath. Yeah. Good. He gets good <laughs> lines. They give him good, yeah. good lines. Yeah. Suter is Suter is extra creepy with the, you know, that soft spoken line delivery of his. Yeah. It's just it's great. He did such a great job oh, so um, with that character. My heart broke for him having to go back to that dark place and as a character yeah. when he had really used these Vulcan techniques and the and the mentorship of Tuvok to change himself fundamentally. Yeah. And do it without yeah. drugs or medicine or anything. And definitely. And you definitely see that after he's performed his first kill. You yeah. know, and he he comes later in, in the episode, he performs that first kill and he he kind of falls to the ground. And I got emotional. I did. I, I, did I was too. like, oh man, like this is like, you know, we're really rooting for the bad guy in this time. You know, he, his, yeah. his humanity has come through because he's almost controlled his murderous rage. And now he has to unleash it in order mm -hmm. to save the rest of us you yeah. know, to save the ship. And it's just, it's, it's heart wrenching to see that it really yeah. is. Suter and again, has the um, idea, by the way, Suter is the one that asked the doctor for a portable Thoron generator, which is the thing yeah. that give buys them time yeah. to do everything they do because it, it, it disables uh, Seska says later, that's an old Maquis trick to, you know, interfere with the tricorders and yeah, all the, all of our technology. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So Seska suspects that the repairs are being sabotaged around this time. The ship keeps breaking every day. They're like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Uh, Paris sends a message to the doctor to about a backup couplings, the backup uh, phaser couplings plan that, that he's going to overload them. Yeah. He's going to take out the, the phaser couplings and that they're going to go to the backup. And if he overloads them, that it will disable uh, everyone on the ship, that it will, it will work. Yeah. Um, when he first sends the message, he says to the doctor, I hope you get this message uh, or else I'm a dead duck. <laughs> and Rebecca was like, wait, pause that for a second. She's like a dead duck. Is that the phrase? And I was like, <laughs> sitting duck. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Why that's another phrase that's going on your t-shirt, dude. It's going to say, I'm a dead duck. Right what there. is a dead duck? I don't is know. Did, did I make that up? Did they write that? <laughs> I don't know. I made a note of that too, but I knew you'd bring it up. So I'm going to let you bring oh. that up. <laughs> but it is the backup couplings plan that uh, that uh, Paris has. And um, right around that time, Suter has killed his first. They go looking in the, in the he goes back into the Jeffries tubes. And because Jessica's suspicious of all of these things keep breaking every day, she sends people into the Jeffries tubes. Hey, mm -hmm. let's look and see um, if we can find these people that are hiding. And Suter has to make his first kill. He collapses, like you said. Yeah, that struggle. They, yeah, it's very mm -hmm. sad. He says, "I just need to breathe, see the light that is my breath." I thought that yeah. was a that was a nice line. That yeah, obviously he got that from uh, from Tuvok. But yep, great scene. Yep. I'm going to rewind just a little bit to yeah. the point where, you know, Chakotay has been gone for a while. So now Janeway sort of like get some people together to Kim and let's, let's go and find out what happened to them. Mm -hmm. And so then when she does realize that, uh, you know, Chakotay and, and the rescue party are probably trapped in the serpent tunnel, she then says, who can run here? <laughs> and then we find out Torres was on the Academy Decathlon team. That's and then right. Ayala, our friend Tarek Ergen, has a line here. I think this yeah. is his first line. He says, yeah. She goes, anyone else here can run? And Ayala says, yeah. So that was his big 
debut, I think, line-wise. So, oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I do remember that Tark raising his hand and he had the line there. By the way, you know, when they're running out of this cave, when they finally get cleared to run out of the cave, and they decide, oh, let's take these wooden spears that we're not even trained in because we're technology people, and we're going to actually break the rock so completely it will stop this giant cave monster who lives in the rocks i don't know very risky move like it was very risky yeah clearly it worked out because they stuck the things up there and just in time the rocks collapse and yeah but i'm like guys maybe you should have thought of a better plan like you know know. kim studied that at starfleet academy he studied uh, loosening rocks at the cave ah, entrances. Okay. So that is what happened. Okay. So you saw Harry was right up there. So he was the one that yeah. provided the fulcrum gotcha. that, so that that rock came down and caused like an avalanche. Of Love rocks. it. So Love it. That's okay. it. There we I'm go. Go with that. Okay. Okay. So um, we talked about Suter killing his first guy in the Jeffrey's tubes, his dramatic kind of thing. Um, Kala has a little scene with Seska. Not, not a big scene, but important because he says, Oh yeah, a uh, couple of our scouts kill, uh, destroyed a shuttle, so we got them. We got whoever escapes in that shuttle. So they—that was your message that you sent. Oh yeah, it was the tricky right? thing, right? And, yeah. And Seska's like, "What about life signs? Did they find any life signs, any bodies?" Mm-hmm. And 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 Kala's like, "Oh, uh, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Hmm." Well, there's two people missing and hmm. Yeah. That was a typical husband-wife conversation. Yeah. Like the husband saying, I took out the trash. And the wife's like, but did you did you close the lid? Did you empty the yeah? Did you there's always the 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 addendum to the to the command? Um, (laughs) Back on the planet, Kess says uh that the baby is sick. Yes. And the volcano is about to blow. So things are not going well on the planet. Yes. I remember uh, it's Kim that actually directs everyone's attention to mm-hmm. the volca- volcanic eruption beginning. And I actually remember filming that. And I remember I remember, I was like, so where am I looking exactly? And um, Rick Colby was like, okay, your eyeline's going to be this. And I just, and I, I know we've done a lot of green screen stuff already before this, but I just felt really stupid that day doing that i just because I'm, I'm the one that starts the staring at nothing right i'm like up there and i just remember feeling really uncomfortable filming that scene i don't know why just well, that that's funny because we do it so much yeah yeah i also ran across in looking at stuff that i had in storage there's like a for every episode we had a set photographer that showed up that took still pictures of our episode and they would usually pick one or two days of the seven day shoot and Mm -hmm. they would take pictures Mm -hmm. so there this set photographer traveled with us evidently to um to lone pine because i found in storage like a slide like a kodak ectochrome slide that was obviously taken by the set photographer of me holding the spear, but I'm spinning it around like a baton and um, just by myself. I'm just out in the middle of the, it's a really, it's an interesting photo because there's nobody around me. And I didn't know that he took this picture of me because I was just goofing off doing this like um, staff twirl, like a martial arts twir- uh, twirling right. of the staff. And he captured it on film on with his camera. And clearly he gave it to me as a gift. And I, 
did not remember that at all. But wow. going through some storage stuff, I found that recently. I'm like, oh, hey. that's cool. Yeah. So that that's very cool. cool. Yeah. Um, so Kim noticed a volcanic eruption. Seska confronts doctor. Crew must yeah, have from the volcanic explosion. Yeah, she kills his program. She yep. kills the doctor's program. And we don't know. Yep. The end of this episode, what's going to happen? So um, Well, it's really smart of the doctor to have that uh, recording that he made for Suter just in case. So it was yeah. like a chess game. It's like a chess yeah. game between the doctor and Seska. And the doctor's like, okay, she's probably going to, you know, disable mm -hmm. my program. So I'm going to record a message to Suter. Mm -hmm. And it was like a... It was an it was an awesome pep talk, you know, but it was also sad because you knew that this could this could be a one way mission for Suter, you know, at that yeah. point. So um, it was I, I thought that was a really emotional scene. The the pep yeah. talk from the doctor. I really did. Yeah, I thought it was great. And uh, I thought, yeah, that, uh, Bob did a great yeah. job with that. So. Yeah. And the whole because he was trying to take that lightly because he knew that Suter is struggling with the killing mm -hmm. again. Right. And he's just like he's like, you know what you have to do. And you know when to do it. And it was just the way he said that. And I was just like, oh my gosh. It's just yeah. like I'm getting choked up watching this. I so. know. And you, we see that Paris is ready and waiting, uh, but he's, yeah. he really needs the doctor to do his part. And now the audience knows the doctor's out of commission. Yeah. Um, we go back to the planet. Chakotay ends up saving this cave lady who's stuck out in the lava flow. And that's a wonderful opportunity to see, like, the cave people, these planet planet people, you know, see that we are, we can be their friends and we're good, good people. And Correct. so the story sort of changes there. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's nothing like saving someone from the enemy uh, to show the enemy that we're good people. Yeah. Right. So that was the good, that was a good scene to have. Um, also, I want to bring light to the Talaxian ships. I like those ships. Those ships. Yeah, they nice. were cool. They're really they were cool. cool. And Talaxians were very helpful here. Praxin. Is that his name? Praxin. Something like Prax that. Something like that. Praxim. 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 <laughs> yeah. So a pair starts shooting at the phaser couplings. Um, yeah. And Suter uh, in engineering ends up coming in with one of the Kazon weapons that he took. Yeah. He took a Kazon weapon from <laughs> the one guy that he killed and uses that to kill everybody in engineering. Can I tell and, you my notes on this part? My yeah. note says Suter summons his inner John McClane from Die Hard and takes out all the Kazon in engineering. Yeah. That's yeah. what I wrote on that one. And then he's trying to do something on the panel. And just before he hits the last button, he's shot by one of the dying Kazon. Yeah. And he reaches out, stretches out, and hits the button. Now, I don't remember the doctor telling Suter about Paris's plan. He so, didn't. So we have to assume that that was spoken to him or relayed to him at another point in the story. Because, yeah. yes, in that pep talk, um, we, he doesn't talk about that. But the fact that he says, the doctor says, you know what to do and when to do it. That, that to me, was not only referring yeah. to having to kill the Kazon, but also to disable the backup couplings. Right? Gotcha. To, yeah, to that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't make that connection, yeah. what to do and when to do it. I thought mm -hmm. more generally, but you're right. That's yeah. actually exactly. That's that's yeah. great. Um, Paris's plan works. It was really sad to me, even though Seska's yeah. a bad person, um, that she died and the poor baby was crying. That yeah, was and she didn't even turn back to Kulla. You know, when she's on her last dying breath, she, she walks towards the crying baby. Uh, yeah. She stumbles towards the crying baby and dies within, you know, an arm's reach yeah. of the baby. Yeah, very it was, sad. It was very sad. It was very art house film 
kind of thing. Speaking going of on. sad, we go back to the planet and the caveman decides to help them with the baby there and give them a little something that makes the baby stop crying on the planet. And Yeah, so um, a, uh, so caveman Vicks Vapor Rub was Vicks given Vapor to Rub the to the baby. But he also points, and I love their language. I always think about the actors when they come on our show to do these alien parts where they're speaking a made-up language. Yeah. Like, was it scripted or how much did they make up? Or, you know, I think mm. it was usually scripted, actually. But anyway, this made-up language, when he points to, like, which direction they could go to safety, he points, he says, sad kadunk. And I, <laughs> I just thought, I like a language that's sad kadunk. Right? That's a good, I don't yeah. know what it means, but sad. Is that what he said? He sad kadunk. Sad kadunk. Which... Uh, the minute you say that, that just makes me come up with badunkadunk, so, <laughs> which refers to your booty. But yeah, you know, um, badunkadunk. Yeah. I wonder if that was um, scripted. Yeah, probably, probably it was probably scripted. Well, it happened right? right around the time the baby died, and when he said "sad kadunk," I was like, "That's how I feel. I feel the same way." Sad kadunk. Ah, <laughs> badunkadunk. Um, okay, yeah. and Paris comes in and he saves the day. Yeah, he's awesome. And then everybody comes <laughs> back and they don't take time to like wash their face with the grease yeah. or the no. or fix their hair just, or do anything. They're like right back at it. There you go. That's the way it is. What's your life lesson? My life lesson, my theme for this episode is something like even when you don't have the help of the things that you're familiar with, if you stay focused, there's always a solution. So hmm. like the people, you know, all of us on the planet, or all of you guys on the planet. You didn't have the things you were familiar with. You didn't have the ship, the technology, any of that, but you stayed focused. You worked together as a team and found a solution. And uh, okay. even for Paris, there was a, there was a solution. So, um, you know, to save the ship. So um, even when you, when you don't have those things, yeah. Stay positive, okay. stay focused. I'm going to say, there that the life lesson from this episode for me is that no matter what there is always a peaceful resolution to conflict hmm. and i'm referring to the conflict between the cave people and the voyager crew right i mean the minute you showed that compassion of saving the cave person that chakotay hmm. saved the cave person that changed everything i mean the whole mindset just it flipped immediately from aggressors to wait you could be our friends yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, it's like so. I I do feel that that there is always a peaceful resolution. Um, I like it, unless you're Suter. Um, but then with Suter, <laughs> with Suter, it's a little bit like you know the life lesson there is there's even in someone who's who's literally been not racked with guilt, but somebody who's involved in 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 a lot of evilness, you know, and a lot of destruction. Even in those people, there is that goodness that you can find within that person, you know, that, mm. that and he did, he did care about, because let's face it, at one point, the doctor thinks he's going to get away. The doctor thinks he's going to use this as an opportunity to escape his, his, um, his prison, basically, and yeah. take off and leave everybody um, without any help. But no, um, Suter shows us that he's still loyal to the crew and still loyal yeah. to Voyager, uh, even though his past is filled with just, you know, that murderous rage that he's had. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's those are my two life lessons from this episode. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, this was great. Here we go, season three, off and running. Look at that. Um, Paris is still alive. He's not dead. 
Yeah. So next week, Robbie, we are going to be reviewing the episode Flashback. And for all of our Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for our bonus material where we will have a special guest, Martha Hackett, who played Seska. We'll be Martha Hackett. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's going to answer some questions about this season three premiere and and her uh, her death scene. Oh, yeah. Her big death her fa- scene. I know. Well, not her true farewell, Robbie. She does appear later. That's true. So, um, but at least her her, her farewell from this reality. <laughs> yeah, suppose, right? I'm excited yeah. to hear her memories. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, good. Well, off we go into season three. Um, yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks. See ya. Bye. Bye.